Are kids today more disobedient and rebellious than in the past? If so, why? Well, that's what we're talking about today on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, and our study in Ephesians chapter 6 begins in just a minute. But first, I want to read a couple of letters from our fellow passengers on the Bible bus. The first one is from Andhra Pradesh, India, from a listener to our Telugu programs. I knew nothing of Jesus Christ and didn't have any interest in spiritual things. However, my neighbors listen to your program rather loudly, and we can always hear it. Without realizing it, God's Word began to change our lives. Before my family was unruly, we had no standards or morals. We behaved as we wished. Many indulged in the lust of flesh. I am ashamed to say I, too, had many vices, including drinking too much alcohol. But the longer we listened, the more we craved God's Word. Pretty soon, I began shopping for a radio of our own. Shortly after, I confessed my sinful life and received God's forgiveness through faith and His promises of the gospel. I've been baptized in the name of the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Many of my family members have too. Together, we are going forward in the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, we always play the program rather loudly in hopes that our neighbors will hear it. Well, God's Word is accomplishing God's will, isn't it? Here's another good one. This is uh, from a 71-year-old listener of our Coke Baroque program in Tripura, India. I was a staunch hater of the Christian faith. Many people tried to share the gospel with me, but I wouldn't listen. One day I dropped by a relative's house and saw a group of people listening to a radio program. So I waited while they listened. I didn't know that it was the word of God that was airing, so I sat with an open mind and heart. At the end, I was in shock and inquired about the source. I had never heard such beautiful words in my life. After that, I continued to listen, and my understanding of God broadened and deepened. I learned the God I used to worship was not the real God. I repented and gave my life to Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great testimony? Well, our final note comes from Shoba in India, who listens to Through the Bible in Marathi. She writes, When God works in someone's life, He really changes you in ways no one can imagine. I am a witness to this. When I was small, I started listening to the program with my mother. I always write notes from the program, and I meditate upon them for several hours. The Lord helped me to overcome many problems in my youth, and now I am married. Recently, I completed my theological studies. On July 25, 2023, I was ordained as a pastor. The notes I made from your program made my theological studies easier. My sincere prayer is that these teachings will teach the unreached people and change the life of everyone who watches it and listens to it. Well, that's a great request, isn't it? And we'd love to have you join our world prayer team as we pray for listeners like these every day. If you'd like to join us as we praise God for the work that His Word is doing in the lives of people and then ask Him to reach the whole world with His whole Word, why don't you sign up today? at ttb.org forward slash pray. And now let's pray with and for one another. Father, may your spirit bring the truth of your word to life. We pray that many more will hear it and respond in faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're off to Ephesians 6 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now today, friends, we come to the last chapter in Ephesians. We put out the introduction last time to this. And the subject here is the church is a soldier. Now we have, first of all, the soldiers' relationships in the first nine verses here. And we begin with him in the home as a child. That's where the preparation should begin. And every child is handicapped. 
that doesn't get that first lesson that a soldier should have if he's out yonder fighting the battle of life. One of the great problems that young people are having today and older people out in this big, bad world that we live in is because they were not properly trained in the home. And properly trained actually means discipline. Now we are told here the first lesson that a soldier must learn is obedience to those in authority. He must follow orders. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, very candidly, the soldier must learn that he must obey. The basic training is therefore learned in the home. And after the soldiers learn to obey, then he's in a position to be promoted to the rank of an officer where he gives commands to others. Now, to know how to give commands depends largely on how the soldier learned to obey. Therefore, the basic training is found in the home with a parent-child relationship and the master-servant relationship. The victories of the Christian life are won in the home and today in the place of business. If you're going to win them in the place of business and out in this world today, they must be learned at home. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, he says. Now, that means that it's not only because it's according to the will of God, it's more than right, it's just. It's a righteous thing to do as it's God's way. You remember it said of the Lord Jesus that as a boy that he went down to Nazareth and he was subject to Joseph and Mary. Now, there are two essential factors which must be taken into account in this verse. It is assumed that Paul is talking about a Christian home. He's been talking about that all along in the marriage relationship. Now, a home such as he began discussing back there in chapter 5. Obedience of children to parents is confined to the circumference of in the Lord. Did you notice that? Obey your parents in the Lord. And I have great sympathy for a boy that accepts the Lord and has an unsaved father or mother. And there are those that are like that. Remember a man, he was a very godless man, heavy drinker, said to his boy, says, well, now that you become a Christian, you're going to start obeying me. The boy was a pretty smart boy. And he says, and when you become a Christian, I'll start obeying you. Well, that's, I think, the important thing. Now, it's in the Lord, and that's mentioned here. Christian parents have a privilege of claiming their children for the Lord. I think that we all ought to do that. Even where only one parent is a believer, he may claim that child for God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7:14, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Elsewhere, your children unclean, but now are they holy. Now, this doesn't mean that the child is a believer just because he has a Christian parent, but it does mean that the parent has a right to claim that child. Now, we're talking about a Christian home. Then the second thing we need to keep in mind here, the word for obey is an altogether different word that we had in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Here it means obey. It's a different word altogether. You see, the wife occupies a place of equality with the husband 
and it's merely a question of headship. That's all. And here the child is to obey as the servant is to obey. It's the same word that occurs down. We'll find it in verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. Now, disobedience to parents is the last and the lowest form of lawlessness to occur on this earth. I wonder if you realize that. In 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse 2, where we're told about the characteristics that in the last days, perilous times shall arise. Well, what is it that will arise? Men will be lovers of their own selves. They'll be covetous. They'll be boasters. They'll be proud. They'll be blasphemous. And then notice, disobedient to parents. That's one of the characteristics of the last day. Now, today, you hear so many cases of children actually killing their parents. And that's indicative of the time. And others, totally disobedient. Now, I think there comes a day in a boy's life when God has given him a nature where he no longer, now he's in rebellion against the parent. Why? Well, it's time for him to move out and get married and start a home of his own. That's the thing that's happened. God doesn't want him to be a mama's boy tied to his mama's apron string the rest of his life. God wants him to stand on his own two feet. But when he starts out, he's to be obedient. And I was visiting in a home when I was a pastor many years ago. And there was a little two-year-old boy in that home. And the father and I couldn't even carry on a conversation because the little fellow, he occupied the center ring of the circus, and he was a little circus himself. And the dear little fellow was a brat, if you ask me. Oh, my. And the father says, you know, I just can't make that child obey me. The father weighed about 200 pounds, and that little fellow... I don't imagine he went over 30, 40 pounds. And the father said, I can't make him obey me. I think he could have. I think he should have because of the fact that God intended for him to make him to obey him at that age. Now, in verses 2 and 3 here, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, may I say to you that the Ten Commandments I think we found that in this epistle, are not the norm for Christian living. But you see, it doesn't mean you can break them. Now, when you're a little fellow in the home, you're to honor your father and your mother. And you're to honor them all your life by the life that you live. And the very interesting thing is that all of the commandments are repeated in the New Testament with the exception of the Sabbath day. Now, I'll get some letters on that one. But you find that as no commandment given to believers today, the Sabbath day. But you're to honor your father and mother. And the interesting thing is here, this is a commandment that has a promise of long life to those who keep it. And it's repeated here. It's the first commandment with promise. The others didn't promise you anything. They promised you something if you didn't keep them, but nothing if you did. And I think that you have two examples of those who did not follow it in Scripture. And their life was short. Samson and Absalom. Samson, a judge, died a young man. Absalom rebelled against David, a young man. Now, I think that's interesting to know that the Ten Commandments are given in the New Testament in the proper place 
as this one is here, with the exception of the Sabbath day. Now, that's something for you to toy around with, by the way. Now, will you notice verse 4 here? And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture, or the discipline and admonition, instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, no such commandment was given to parents under the law. You see, under grace, there's always mutual responsibilities and interactive duties. The parent is not to vent a bad disposition on a child or punish him in a fit of rage. It's the parent's duty to teach the child the truths of the Scripture and then to live them before the child. Don't provoke your children to wrath. As a believer, you're to live like a believer. Now, fathers here, I think, includes the mothers also, but the emphasis, I think, is upon the father for the discipline and training of the child is actually his responsibility. But the mother's included. Children are not to be provoked to anger. Now, this doesn't mean that they're to be treated as if they're sort of a cross between an orchid and a piece of Dresden china. I think, frankly, the board of education should be applied to the seat of knowledge. And that quite frequently, by the way. Proverbs had a great deal to say about this. He says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. And then Proverbs 19:18 says, Chasten thy son while there's hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crime. And foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 22:15. And I think one of the great problems today with these little folk that are in rebellion today before it's time for them to be in rebellion is simply because they needed to be taken to the woodshed. And I'm not trying to get even because I made quite a few trips there. And he says in 23, verse 13, "...withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die." He makes it very clear here. Don't provoke your children to wrath because they see you're venting on them a mean disposition, but that you should be disciplined in them and they won't die. Now, we have here another statement of this. In Proverbs 29, 15, and 17, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Correct thy son, he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Proverbs 29, 15, and 17. Now, a child in a Christian home should be given Christian instruction that he might come to a vital relationship with Christ and be fortified when he comes in contact with the world. Now, I want to say this, that every parent ought to have the privilege of leading their child to a saving knowledge of Christ. Now, my wife never was my assistant pastor. I insisted on that. I never let her become president of the Missionary Society or hold any office in any women's organization, in any church I served. She was not my assistant. I told my board one time, I said, my wife is my wife. She's not the assistant pastor. And her business is to take care of the home and the child. And I think that's important. My wife had the privilege that I'm afraid very few parents have today. 
One time when I was out on a trip, our little girl, I don't think she's over seven or eight years old, she's out playing. And she came in, and we were visiting, at least they were visiting my wife's mother. She came in, and she said to my wife, she said, Mama, I won't accept Jesus. And my wife took her in the bedroom, got down on her knees with her, and had the privilege of leading her own little child to the Lord. And I always felt that was much more important than to try to be a personal worker in the church. I know a great many personal workers today that have lost their children. My friend, that's your first responsibility is your own child. And you better concentrate on that child. And if Christians today would do that instead of attending to everybody else's business and trying to raise everybody else's child, you get your own child to the Lord first. And that's your first responsibility. You see, I'm a retired preacher now, and I'm on radio. Nobody can throw a rock at me and hit me right now. I can say this today. But you know the interesting thing? I always said that. And that's not the way to make friends and influence people. I found that out. But it's in God's Word, and what's in God's Word? I've always wanted to say it. Now, it says here that the discipline that's to be of the Lord. Did you notice that? And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, that means of the Lord that discipline and instruction are administered in the name of the Lord. That's important. Now, from verses here 5 through 8, we have this question of servants. Now, will you listen to this? Bond servants are slaves. Be obedient to your masters, your Lord according to the flesh. They're just your master down here. With fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as to Christ, not with eye service, that is, don't watch the clock, as man pleases, don't butter up the boss, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the soul, with good will, doing service, as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatsoever good each one shall have done, this shall he receive from the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Now, I'm not going into detail today. I'm going to save that till next time because this is important. But in order that I might not be misunderstood, I'm going to move on to verse 9 because you have the other side of the coin. And ye masters do the same things toward them, giving up your threatening knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no respect of persons with him. Now, this is for Christian workers and for Christian owners of the factory. This is for capital and labor when it's Christian. And when you have that, and I say it very kindly, you won't need a labor boss to come around to make the capitalist do what he ought to do. The interesting thing is, and I know of several businesses today run by Christians. I mean the owners are dedicated Christians. They have chapel service and on their own time, and they pay their workers for it. Several like that. And they are prosperous concerns. God has blessed them, and they don't need a union. One of the employees of that place said, if we were under a union, we wouldn't be making what we're making right now. So that we're talking now about Christians, Christian workers, and Christian owners of the factory. That's important. And there are two sides of the coin. In other words, 
We're just getting right down to the nitty-gritty. This is where you work, friend. And the relationship should be different among Christians. How wonderful it is. Now, even here in our radio office that we have, we don't pay as much to girls and men that work here in our office as they can earn on the outside. I'm sure they could go outside, get a job. In fact, we had one girl that got a job. I imagine she made a great deal more than she made. She's back with us. She'd rather have the less salary and work where it's a Christian atmosphere. May I say to you, this gets right down where you live today. And if you're a owner, the best way you can reveal your Christianity is the way that you conduct yourself with those working for you. And if you're a worker, the best way that you can reveal your Christianity is to those that you're working for. Today we want to conclude our study, and as you leave the Bible bus, we have a poem that we'd like you to take with you, because we think it's a good poem. And the title of it is The Bible Bus, and the writer says, I wrote this for you, and it comes from Houston, Ohio. And I want you to listen to this, because it's very good. It says, I was standing along a long, weary road. Where I was going, I don't think I knowed. I was tired and so hungry for so many things. No destination like a bird without wings. A big storm was coming. I could see in the sky. With no place to go, I was trembling inside. The cars passing by, they didn't care. If I got caught in the storm, it didn't seem fair. Then I saw it coming, a big Cadillac, as black as the night. It didn't seem right. A window rolled down, and a face looked at me, as evil a face as I ever did see. He said, Come with me. I'm going to hell. And what that man said to me, I'll never tell. I turned and ran and fell in the ditch, as the rain and the wind wet every stitch. Then all at once the clouds rolled away. The rain stopped falling, and the sun had its way. I saw it coming, a big silver bus, but I had no money, and that was no fuss. But believe it or not, it stopped at my feet, the big door it opened, and oh, what a treat. The bus driver smiled as he looked at me, and he said that his name was Vernon McGee. He said, welcome aboard, with an old Texas twang, and money to us don't mean a thing. I said, where are you bound? down this long, weary road. We're headed for heaven, and he seemed like he knowed. Well, I stayed right on, and I've left it behind, the heartaches and sorrows and that sad, worried mind. He told me of Jesus, how he died on the cross, how he is my Savior through gain and through loss. Every mile takes me closer to my God and my home, down this highway of sin in God's bus, not alone. God will keep it running to pick up the strays, and Doc McGee will keep driving while he teaches and prays. Now, I don't know about you. That's not Shakespeare, but that's good, and I like it very, very much. And I'd like you to take this along with you when you get off the bus today. May God bless you, my beloved.
For more great teaching by Dr. McGee, join me this Sunday for the Sunday sermon, The Mother Whom Children Are to Honor. Listen on our app or online at ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. And remember, you can also write to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Or email BibleBus at ttb.org. And when you get in touch, we'd love to hear how God is working in your life as we study His Word together. Have you learned something new? Is there maybe a particular study that's meant something special or challenged your way of thinking? Well, your letters are such an encouragement to us all, so please send them in. We've only got a few more studies left in Ephesians, but if you'd like to spend more time in this important book, be sure to download our free Bible companion for Ephesians at ttb.org. And to prepare for our upcoming study in Proverbs, you'll want to make sure that you've got our newsletter as well. It's really nice. If you haven't already gotten yours in your mailbox or in your inbox, you can visit ttb.org to download your copy and to sign up to receive them automatically. Again, that's ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. I'm Steve Schwartz, praying God blesses you today as you walk with Him in His Word. Well, ride the Bible bus for five years and you'll be amazed at what God teaches you from his word about what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's a blessing that keeps on going. That's what we believe at Through the Bible.